From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. This is Melody. And Chad. I'm Chris. I'm Josh. And we are back. (laughs) Finally back with you guys to talk all things media. Yes, we have made it back (laughs) after... After a break, so we took a few weeks off, but we're back, and we have some awesome movies and shows to discuss this week, so we're super excited to be back with you guys. Before we get into the show, don't forget that we do love to hear from our fans, so if you guys have any questions or comments or things that you would like to hear us talk about, head on over to our website, screenerspodcast.com, and you can leave us a comment there, or you can find us on Facebook, search for Screeners Podcast, or you can contact us at screenerscast at gmail.com. So with that said, let's get into the show. Jump Cuts is the lightning round of each week's show, where each of us will get 60 seconds to talk about the things that we love. And if we go longer than 60 seconds, you'll hear this sound. And with that, let's get into Jump Cuts. Number one. All right, guys, it is fall, so that means there is a whole new slew. Slew? Is that a word? Of shows coming out. Yes, that's a word. Uh, (laughs) Slew suddenly sounded really wrong. But anyway, there are a lot of brand new shows coming out, and uh, I'd like to just hear if you guys have watched any of the new shows, if any of them have caught your attention, if you're going to watch them, uh, or maybe if some of them have offended you so much, you will never watch them again. So, Melody... What new premieres have you been watching this fall? Well, I have managed to watch a couple of them, so I'm very proud Whoa, of myself. Really? Yes, I know. It's shocking. Shocking <laughs> to all of you. But I watched a couple. I watched the first couple episodes of the new um, Shonda Rhimes show, How to Get Away with Murder. And I think it's pretty good. I'm sure if I kept watching, I'd probably get into it. Shonda Rhimes is the creator of Grey's Anatomy. So, um, you know, it's one of those shows that's going to be complex and it's going to have the compelling characters. But it's still super networky, so will I stick with it? Eh, I might give it a couple more episodes. I can't say I'm completely in love with any of the characters after two episodes, like I was in Grey's. Uh, but then again, there's no McDreamy, so maybe that's my problem. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Viola Davis is in it, and she's she's really, really good, as I would expect her to be. Um, maybe not enough to hold me to the show. I don't know. We'll see. I might give it another shot. And then I also watched um, the season opener for Scorpion, which is a show about like geniuses coming together, and they form a secret team to solve the world's problems or whatever. Um, and I really had to like force myself to watch it, um, but it sounded super networky and therefore boring. And for the most part, it was. <laughs> but uh, Catherine McPhee is in it, and there's just something super compelling about seeing her on screen. She's she's awesome. Um, and I kind of love the idea of the show, like put together a team of. Somebody keep in time. I mean, it seems like 60 you know seconds is like a long freaking you know time ago. I watch some TV and I'm talking about it and I think that that is progress. So oh, I think yeah. that you should listen to me. Okay. Anyways, I liked the idea of it, but it crosses the line of, of ma- massive ridiculousness. So I probably won't keep watching. Mm. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. So after that five minute tirade, uh, <laughs> buzzer Chad, was broken. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Chad, uh, what have you been watching, man? Well, the 
new stuff that I'm interested in watching that I just haven't had a chance to start yet. So I know some of you guys, you know, could give me maybe a little direction, but I do want to, I am at least intrigued by Gotham just because it looks like it's well-made and some of the early reviews seem to be positive. I'm definitely interested in how to get away with murder just for all the reasons that Melody said, because Grey's Anatomy, uh, yes. Um, (laughs) And Viola Davis is a fantastic actress, so I'm interested in that. And I'm looking forward to the final season of The Newsroom. So those are the three that I'm hoping to see this fall. Josh, have you watched any shows at all? I'm curious. Okay, so I looked at a list of TV shows, <laughs> new fall TV shows 2014 in yes. preparation for this very question, and I had heard of most of the shows on it before, and we have just a parade of utter mediocrity this year. It's mm. awful across the board. Um, I did. I was interested in the ABC comedy Blackish because it, it was being hyped as this return to high satire and comedy, cultural commentary. Like everyone was conjuring all in the family and you know how comedies used to have something to say. And I watched the pilot and it was really, really rocky. And I don't know, we have the second episode on our DVR. We haven't gotten around to it yet. I'll give it another shot, but so far it was just so far out there that it had... It didn't have a lot of depth to it, which I guess I shouldn't expect from a sitcom. But that's all I have. I'm not watching any of the rest of those shows. No. Gotcha. No. <laughs> all right. Rock on. Okay. So I've, uh, I've actually watched quite a bit um, of new television. I've seen the first two and a half episodes of Gotham. Not actually a huge fan uh, of, oh, of it, you. unfortunately. I feel like there's not really a reason for it to exist then it's kind of the 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 part of batman's mythos and that world that i'm not really all that interested in because nobody's told it before and so i think they thought well let's go tell a story but there's a reason why and that's because like it's kind of boring and also a lot of setup stuff that you're just kind of like it's a wink wink nudge nudge i'm not sure they've really you know done enough there but i'm gonna keep watching it because i feel like it is a well-made show there's a lot of money in it um, but I don't really. I'm not sure it's it's got its traction yet. Um, I've watched Scorpion, How to Way to How to Get Away with Murder, like Melody said. The new Star Wars Rebels um, animated series, A Stalker, which is this new CBS procedural crime drama that was just kind of silly and stupid. And I really want to try Grace Point, which is a new series. I believe it's on well one of the networks anyway. You anyway, just want to try a lot those. of shows. That yes. was many. That's true. That's a lot of shows. And it was still shorter than Melody. Shut it. (laughs) You know what? The people would like to know what I think. They would. Number two. So, all right. Let's dive the next one. On the flip side of that, what um, returning shows are you going to be watching this season? And are there any that you have said, enough is enough, I'm not watching any more of that? And since you already tried to answer it once, Chad. Yes, second <laughs> what time's a charm. Second time's a charm. <laughs> well, let me say the returning show that I will be watching with great love is Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Oh, uh, I love it. it. You guys, you are so, you don't know Let what you're missing. Go. You don't know what you're Let missing. You just need it's to true. open your hearts to the greatness. Chad, I know um, exactly what I'm missing. No, you don't. No, uh, you don't. Another show that I have been watching that is a returning show but was new to me is The Good Wife. I am on Amazon Prime right now. Or they have um, the first six seasons, and so I'm almost Holy done cow. with season five. And it's a really good show. I mean, it's 
it's nothing life changing, but it's really very solid. The show that I've given up on uh, is a show on Netflix called Hemlock Grove. It's a uh, Eli Roth <laughs> oh, yeah. kind of horror that took you a thing. Whole I, well, I watched the whole first season and it was a chore. And then I started the second season. and I was like, I'd rather somebody just punch me in the face. So <laughs> uh, I give up on that show for sure. Nice. All right, uh, Melody. How about you? Well, I have not watched a lot of shows this past year, but I may go back and catch up on Blacklist because I had given up on it partway through the season last year. As you but should. But I've heard it gets really good. No, <laughs> you should. I should not go back. Is that hold on, hold on. Wait. You go. Well, some people think that I should go back and watch it. And I do love James Spader, so I might. And I haven't decided yet if I'm sticking with Modern Family. I watched the season <gasps> opener. I mean, we're I'll part committed at this point. We're, this we're in baloney. Okay, I'll stick with it. But okay, the season opener, like part of it was so dumb, but part of part it of was it. so great. Episode and two so, is really funny though. But yeah, well, but I mean, some of it was just embarrassingly bad. But there was enough laugh out loud moments to remind me why I love it so much. So yeah, I'll stick with it. That's what I got. Chris, as the only other person before me, you are next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Agents of Shield. Uh, the second season has just started, and that was a show, just like Gotham, the first half of the first season was not good. Um, but I stuck with it, and I think the moment the events that uh, occurred in Captain America, the Winter Soldier happened in the timeline of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that's when the show got amazing, and it is so much better right now. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'll keep watching, and it's, it's, it's quite good. It's gotten got a lot of good traction there. Uh, Doctor Who, I'm in the middle of right now. Blacklist, I'll continue to watch. And I think, Chad, yeah. you mentioned real quickly uh, Newsroom. That's coming out uh, in the middle of November as well, and I can't wait. That's the yeah. last season yep. of Newsroom. So uh, a lot of good shows. Uh, I'm, there's several more, but, um, I mean, those are just some of, the, some of the few that came to the top of my head. So you actually like the Blacklist? You know, I do. Um, I, You're I think, able to get over the networkiness of it. Yeah, I think, and it's one of the very few networky shows I like. And, you know, the... I think the really the only reason is because I love James, James Spader. Spader. I think he yeah. he chews he chews up scenery so well. Whenever he's on the screen, I can just tell he's he's just kind of like he's having fun playing this this character, and I I kind of like it. I it's silly, but I still kind of like that the world they've created there. I don't okay. know. All right. I don't know. All right. You don't you don't like it at all, huh? I just can't get over it. I mean, he was great in Boston Legal, one of my sure. favorite shows ever. And yeah, when it's definitely. like legal depositions and closing arguments, I can get behind it. But mm. when it's like in this world of just absolute stupidity, it's harder for me. So I don't know. I'd call it absolute stupidity. I don't uh, think that's where it's. Uh, uh, it's really it, it approaches <laughs> absolute stupidity. Anyway, it's fine. I, I, I it see flirts why. With it. Yeah, it I does. see why it some does. people like it. I just can't, and it just looks too TV for me. But anyway. it is. It is very networky televisiony. It is. Not not at all, yeah. you know, polished. But anyway. Yeah, okay, I probably won't go back to it. Thanks for that, Chad. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, <laughs> no, Josh. Oh, <laughs> you should try it. Dang it. So actually, the blacklist is on my list, too. Um, wow. And it's because of James Spader. No, it, everything that Chad said was valid. It is. And it's, it's crazy. And I would say, um, as my wife brought up, one of the reasons that this season might not work is because they've part of the show is kind of gone and yeah, don't I won't give say what because yeah. it's a spoiler but it's I don't know I don't think it's fully I'll gone I'll still be watching it but well you're right it might not be fully gone yeah yeah I think I think that that's kind but of it's a not, payoff it's not nearly as central as it was you're right you're I mean, right 
but so anyways wow, that wasn't cryptic at all no. uh-huh. if Thanks you want to know what it is go watch, watch the blacklist hey is cryptic a word <laughs> Shut up. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. You know what? Can't follow that. It's been that. a while since I've spoken, so <laughs> you'll have to forgive me. I'll be watching uh, the old standbys, like the middle, and I'm assuming Parks and Rec is coming back. It um, is. Yeah. I don't know. If it's, I don't think it's soon, though. Someone has to help me catch up on the newsroom. I assume it's on HBO Go, and Microsoft needs to get HBO Go on the Xbox because this is ridiculous. Agreed. Xbox has been out for the one has been out for what a year now, and they yeah. don't have HBO yet. True story. It's Nonsense. Up. It's kind of messed up. And it probably doesn't count as a fall show since season one just ended. But as far as shows that I will not be continuing, that would be The Leftovers. Oh, oh yeah. So oh, see you later. Wow. I haven't. Okay. I haven't actually watched that. So you would say either. no, huh? No. Wow. Well, so. That's a Chris. bummer. I was kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, but. me too. I'm watching Dude. Fargo, and then The Leftovers was next in my queue. <laughs> No, go ahead. Well, so I, I actually thought you guys had, had seen it all, but no, you should I, know by now, Chris, that if if I am fed up with it, especially for the reasons I'm fed up with it, you will love it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Exactly. I was okay. going to say, why is well, that It'll be your favorite you? show. Well, here's the reason why is because I watched the first episode and I really wasn't all that interested in continuing. So that's when, when you say you're not interested because I, like, I feel like that show has a lot of what we had common ground on Josh about um, true detective. Like I felt like it's a little more dire, a little bit more introspective, that kind of stuff. And if you're not liking it, I wasn't sure I was going to like it all that much, but I I will try it. I just, so so that's, that's actually a really interesting take on it. I was the opposite. I watched the first episode or two and I was really interested to see where they went, Mm. but all the things that you brought up about it are completely false about this show. And what it is instead is Lost Part Two, and you oh. will love it. Okay, all right. Well, then, then I've had another friend of mine who said he, they, who was very much into Lost, who said I needed to, to watch it. And I yeah, was like, Damon oh. Lindelhoff has taken a giant dump all over this show. <laughs> it's, it's just wonderful. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. You're selling right. me, Josh. You're selling me. All right, and I'm watching it tonight. Let's do it. <laughs> Go for it. Number three. All right, so for my jump cut this week, I found us a very intriguing article about Netflix apparently destroying the universe as we know it. What? Uh, I know. It's crazy. Again. Again. (laughs) Again, Even more so, I'm telling you. Okay, so here's what's happened. The Weinstein Company has signed a deal to premiere the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon on Netflix on the exact same day that it is being released in theaters, including IMAX theaters. Worldwide, okay, so worldwide release and the same day it's on Netflix. The movie, uh, it'll debut August 15th, and it's also being billed as Netflix's first original movie. So this is clearly grounds for major controversy. So I would like to know, do you guys think this is the beginning of the end of theaters as we know them? Or are you happy about the fact that you can watch a first-run movie in the comfort of your own home? Josh, let's start with you. Let's do that. <laughs> I, and I will add to this article. This wasn't in this article, but I just heard um, about a day or two ago. Adam Sandler just signed a four-movie deal with Netflix, too. Oh, I can't, I've been Man. waiting for new Adam Happy Sandler movies. Medicine. Yeah. Woo. Oh, oh, we need some Sandler, more. Rob, what's his name? Rob Schneider. You know, the whole yeah. Group. Can't yes, wait. Yes, Rob Schneider. Okay. So, Chris and Melody, you guys have known me for, <laughs> let's see, about 16 years now. Chad, yes. you've known me for 10 years. 
and our audience has known me for, you know, one, one and a half. <laughs> and if you don't know what I think about this article yet, <laughs> I would encourage you to go back and rehash some of my old opinions. This is wonderful. And especially now that I have a child, this is even better. I want this to happen to all movies and movie theaters, as they say in the tech industry. And as Chris said the other night when we were talking about it, they are due for disruption. Disruption being the buzzword du jour. But <laughs> movie theaters, it costs 15, 15, 20 bucks to go sit in a dirty seat in a smelly theater with people rifling around in their popcorn bags coated with God knows what oil on it. <laughs> I, I'm done. Let me sit at home. Let me watch my wonderful Asian city. I'm buzzing you on principle. <laughs> the foolishness is coming out of your mouth. You're buzzed. <laughs> oh, the man kind of has a point in his own special way. Yeah, I guess if you go to a movie theater, like in the, I don't even know where that movie theater is. It's awful. The, the Josh worst knows theater. There. I guess my Josh's house. You need Josh's to go house. to a new one. You need to go to a new theater. That is yeah, messed up. I've been to the Alamo. I've been to. We actually have a new theater that just opened that I'll never get to go to because see my previous answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, Josh. Wow. Chris, what you are welcome. Yes. I think this is an interesting reaction, and it seems really crazy that the theaters went kind of thermonuclear on the Weinsteins and Netflix, saying that they're not going to show the movie in on IMAX screens. So, you know, effectively, what 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 Netflix is doing obviously has the theaters running scared, and the only thing that theaters can do is offer a better experience. And so if the theater is a better experience than me sitting at home, watching it on my television, then I'll go to the theater. But right now they're not doing that. And I think that's why they're shaking in their boots and really kind of scared about this is because they realize this could be the end of, you know, the way they do business. So they need to, they need to, like Josh was saying, they need to be disrupted. They need to realize there's a problem and they need to fix it. So this is a good start. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, Chad, what do you say? Yeah, I'm old school when it comes to going to the movie theater because I think that's an integral part of the movie-going experience. Um, I read an interesting article that was talking about Broadway shows in New York, how they are more profitable than they've ever been. And you mm -hmm. contrast that with the theatrical experience where people can watch film at home, they can watch it on their phone, on their mobile devices. Broadway is popular because there's only one place you can get a Broadway experience, and that's in right. the theater. So right. I do agree with Chris that what the theaters have to do is find a way to create an experience that you can only get there and that is substantially better than sitting holding a, a mobile device in front of your face or even on a big screen at your home. But I don't think this movie is a good test case because this isn't a movie that's going to make $150, $200 million anyway. And so where I'll really be interested to see when this can happen is with its a tentpole release like a Marvel film. Because while these IMAX theaters could say, I'm not going to show Crouching Tiger, they're not going to say, I'm not showing the next Avengers. Well, you got to um, remember, too, Netflix has a deal with Marvel. Sure. No, but I mean, just from they, you know, the, there's a power play going on here because the Absolutely. theaters can say, I'm not going to show your movie. Most people, most theaters make their money off of concessions and other things so they need the movies to draw people so I, I like this idea of convenience but I'm always gonna I will always prefer the experience of going to the theater because my, unlike Josh my theater is wonderful with amazing sound and a huge beautiful screen and the people are nice and when people talk or make noise we get them kicked out so I'm always gonna be for the theater yes okay well I yeah I definitely fall more on the side of Chris and Chad 
Um, although I love the idea of being able to watch certain first-run movies on Netflix, I, I'm not a fan of doing it at the cost of not being able to see it in the theater. Like, I think it's a bummer so many of the mega theaters are boycotting the movie. I I think, did Christy, did you say it's like more than 250 of the 400 IMAX screens in the country are refusing to, to show this movie? So if it was a movie that I seriously cared about, like if it was the next Star Trek movie or something and I couldn't see it in IMAX, I would be irate. Irate, I say. But for this movie, I don't care. So, but right. I, I agree. Like, there has to be a way for theaters to stop whining and adapt so that we can still go see our movies in theaters when we want to. Amen. The end. That's Amen. It. Welcome to the main event. This week, our main event is David Fincher's newest Gone Girl. Nick Dunn, you're probably the most hated man in America right now. You're killing your wife, Nick. Everyone told us and told us marriage is hard work. Not for me and Nick. As you all know, my wife, Amy Elliott Dunn, disappeared three days ago. I had nothing to do with the disappearance of my wife. I have nothing to hide. Sammy got friends we can talk to? No, not really. You don't know if she has friends, you don't know what she does all day, and you don't know your wife's blood type. I feel like I could disappear. The hallmark of a sociopath is a lack of empathy. Amy lost a lot of blood in there, then somebody mopped it up. Why do they mop up the blood if they're trying to stage a crime scene? Whatever they found, I think it's safe to assume that it's very bad. I'd finally realized I am frightened of my own husband. This man of mine may kill me. What about my son, Nick? This man may kill me. In her own words, this man may truly kill me. You ever hear the expression, the simplest answer is often the correct one? Actually, I've never found that to be true. All right, guys, welcome to the main event. This week, we're going to be talking about Gone Girl. It's the latest from director David Fincher. It stars Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, and Neil Patrick Harris. The IMDb summary states, with his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may not be innocent. So I am really excited to talk about Gone Girl. Um, this caught me by surprise and I'm a little hesitant to even talk about it before we move into spoilers simply because I didn't even see the trailer for this movie. I think you, Chad, just suggested that we go see it and I I expected it to be something completely different than it ended up being. Um, so I was taken by complete surprise and I feel like that's the best way to go into this movie is to not know really anything about it, not even to see a trailer, a review, a Rotten Tomatoes score. Unlike me, normally, uh, having knowing everything about a film, this one I, had known, I knew nothing about. So what I want to do is start with very generic overall impressions of the film, and then we can move on uh, into uh, a more in-depth review and discussion and spoilers. So Chad, what were your thoughts on Gone Girl? Well, I have not read the book. I didn't know anything about the movie, so I was or the plot or and I only I may have seen one teaser trailer, but I, I tried to even actively avoid the trailers. I just knew that it had a really great cast. I knew that it was David Fincher, and I'm going to see anything that Fincher directs because I'm such a big fan of much of his work. Zodiac is one of my maybe top ten films of all time. It's just a great Social Network was fantastic. Social Network is great. Well, it is yeah. great. Not as big a fan of Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, but for me, Zodiac is and Seven of 
course, but Zodiac is kind of like Fincher at his the height of his primal powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in 100%, but, but I knew literally nothing about this story, not a single thing, um, other than that the book was a, a worldwide bestseller. And my overall impressions is <laughs> was just like I walked out of that movie and I was like, what the heck? did I just see? <laughs> and, and I mean that in the best way. I mean that in the best okay, way. Okay, uh, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> uh, because it, I was just like, you know, you say you didn't expect it. I was just like, and we're not going to talk about any, you know, no, any spoilers no. here, but there are so many different events that happen throughout this film where I thought one thing and then it was something else. And then it took me one direction, but it was actually not really that direction. And, and I love being in a film. I love being in the hands of a filmmaker who can, take you with honestly with with a story and a plot that is very kind of pulpy and maybe a little oh soap opera ish you know this is very much like a this could this be a is, horrible movie it a could be it could be a horrible movie. movie right but when you're in the hands of a craftsman like fincher who who knows how to build tone and tension in such a palpable way uh i just love that experience this is the first movie in many many years where I sat in the middle of the movie and I said, literally said to myself, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. I have no idea yes. what's happening here. Yes. And I love it oh, because so, of yeah. that, because of that with admittedly kind of slight material. And it is, it's very, well, without getting into it, it's just not, it's just, you know, it's kind of pulpy, but it's such so well done and so well crafted and tight. I think this is one of Fincher's best. I really, really do. Just from the way that it was shot, the way that it was edited, the way that the the tension is is consistently uh, built throughout. So my general thoughts are that I really, really did love it. And the more that I thought about it and kind of talked about it and processed it, the more that I liked it. When I first let, walked out, I thought man, I really like that, but I had a lot to kind of digest. And then as I begin to work through it and then think about some of the things that we'll get into in spoilers, yes. I really think that Fincher had a lot on his mind and, and gave us a lot of clues in the way that a lot of stuff was set up in the first half of this film that uh, really taught, that really take it to another level. So overall, I loved it. Melody, how about you? Well, uh, like Chris, I had seen nothing, literally nothing about this movie I don't know how I how I missed the trailers, but I did, and I had never read the book, so all I knew going into it was that it was something about a wife disappearing, and it was some commentary on the state of marriage, which sounded like absolute <laughs> torture to me. Uh, I like I do not want to be depressed. Life is depressing enough, and I was not excited about having to wade through metaphors or whatever I thought I was going to see. So I had no desire to see it based on the topic. But then, of course, I love David Fincher, and Ben Affleck has been pretty steadily amazing lately so i went and i completely loved it completely loved it seriously it was awesome it is a long movie very very long like two and a half hours but i was glued to the screen like the entire time glued to the plot every minute um definitely felt myself identifying with multiple characters which was really cool it wasn't just a simple like oh this is the character that i'm supposed to follow and care about or whatever it was it was a very muddy plot Mm. um and yes it was a pretty amazing commentary on marriage for sure but i don't feel like the commentary detracted from my enjoyment of the story of like just the story or the way that the story was told i think 
like I cared just about the plot, not not just about the undertones that are supposed to get me to think. Um, the acting was superb. The writing was amazing. And the visuals were just right. I, nothing was like crazy um, to distract from the story that was being told. I think it's absolutely worth the two and a half hours that you're going to invest with these characters so that you can be fully immersed in their story. And I think that it isn't so pretentious that you have to be like some film snob to get it. You could completely throw away the subtext of this movie and still enjoy the film. But, man, the subtext has a lot to say. Probably more than we can even unpack in this podcast. But it's awesome. It's awesome for, for both reasons. And I think that any adult who enjoys good movies would absolutely enjoy this film. Great. Well, I have to say, and I don't want to get too deep because I feel like um, we there's so much more to say when we get into spoilers. But this is probably except sci-fi, maybe my very favorite genre of film. And that is kind of the Hitchcockian thriller where you don't really know what's coming next. And just like you were saying, Chad, when you are in the hands of a capable director, man, it can be such a ride. And the opening scene in this movie had me. That's great. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a voiceover and it's it's a just a you know, a, a lockdown shot, and it's just, and I just at the mo- the moment that 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 scene, one line, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? And then it's on from there, and it just is glorious, and 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 it ends the same way it begins, book ended like perfectly. This movie, there is not as I I'm convinced, there's not a frame that was not considered, there is not a movement that was not put there correctly that's why i really want to see this movie again i feel like this could be a this could be studied this could be a master class in directing in writing no all that stuff for me it just it, there's so much there that you can you could dive into you can enjoy you can be thrilled by you can be horrified at it just oh, i don't know i really high praise for this i i I was and i think maybe a part of it had to do with i came in completely pure with no i had knew nothing about it Mm -hmm. i had no expectations so maybe that's the reason why i I enjoyed it so much just because it's been a long time since i've sat in a movie theater and like you said chad really didn't know where in the world i was going and being thrilled every moment and thinking to myself how in the world wait what whoa what yeah like every every 15 minutes it was like right that's where we're going (laughs) what it's just insane so let's let's dive right into spoilers but before we do that i think people can probably already tell but if you haven't seen gone girl yet i feel like you should go see it don't listen to our spoil please don't listen to our spoil go see this movie uh you 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 definitely should chad your recommendation, I'm guessing, would probably be the same. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is this is the perfect match of a filmmaker and subject matter. I mean, it's like yeah. he was made to make this make this movie, and the fact that the author of the book, Jillian uh, Flynn, also did the screenplay, I think, helps. yes, yes, I mm-hmm. love I love the construction of of the narrative, the non nonlinearity, I suppose, is what I would say. It's just the way that it's told. The telling of the story is also as interesting as the story itself it's just exactly absolutely absolutely wonderful stuff and 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 we're going to talk about this but can you even trust what you see on the screen right when we get into spoilers we're going to talk about that for sure because there's some stuff that happened (sighs) early on and i was like what 
what is ha- I'm you know literally th- those were that was me stuttering in my yes. brain. <laughs> yeah, right. and so you know so yes you should see this. I, I haven't even checked the box office returns to see how it's doing. I hope it's doing well. Well, oh, hey, I wanted to say that too. Thank you. I'm sorry, Melody. I'll get to you for just a second. I'm sorry, but when we went to go see this movie, we saw this what Melody on a Friday <laughs> yeah, afternoon. True. Friday afternoon. Uh, Thursday uh, afternoon. It was a weekday. It was not a Friday. Yeah. Okay, so it was in the middle of the of the of, of the week at like one o'clock in the afternoon, and there was before before they opened it up, like a half an hour before the show, there was an Avengers size line waiting yeah. to get Massive into this line. movie. I took a picture of it. I tweeted it on screeners, but that was like tw- I think a half an hour before. About ten minutes later, it had grown three or four times. Like the move, like there were so many people, and that's when I started thinking to myself. What am I going to see right now? Why is there so many people excited about this? And of course, now I know coming out of the theater. But like, man, people really wanted to see this thing. It was packed yeah. in that theater for one o'clock in the afternoon. So, Melody, how about you? What did you? What do you think? People go see it? Yes? No? Absolutely, absolutely. If you like movies, you're gonna like this movie. Don't worry about it being too pretentious or whatever. Like, it's just a great movie, great story. Exactly like Chad said, the the telling of it is just as intriguing as the actual story, and you should see it. All right, let's move into spoilers for Gone Girl. The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. All right, guys, let's talk about spoilers now because this movie is a huge spoiler. I mean, about halfway through the the movie, things completely take a left turn that I was not expecting. So let's just talk about the big twist right at the beginning, okay? Chad, did you see that twist coming? Mm. Were you expecting that at all? No. No. <laughs> no. I was blindsided. I, I was too. <laughs> I was blindsided. And I found out later after the fact that I have several I have several friends that had read this book. And so it's kind of known, I guess, in the cultural zeitgeist that this book is known for all the twists and turns. And I'm just glad that I didn't know that going that in. It, yeah, mm-hmm. that I didn't even know there were twists and turns. Me either. Uh, but that, that main one, like, I don't want this to sound like a knock because it's not. But I honestly felt like... The first maybe 30, 45 minutes, however long it takes to get to that for, to this twist, felt like really tight, but but like just an awesome version of Law & Order, honestly. Yes, exactly. I mean, it really yes. felt very procedural, which is okay. The performances yes. were great and all that stuff happened. But, but you, knew, like, you just felt like, well, you just I, felt like okay, this. Yeah, I've, I've seen this, right? You know, she's telling the backstory. We see the flashback of, you know, of him pushing her down and all this stuff. And then it flips the script and you realize that everything that she said – could be lie. untrue or is yes. a lie. Mm-hmm. And my brain exploded in my popcorn. <laughs> and then from that moment on, the rest of the movie was just like being on a downhill roller coaster because I was like, Woo. I am in, baby. Let's ride but this see, thing. It was so good. But see, just, 
just like I said at the very beginning of the movie, the first frame is him talking about how he wants to bash her crack her head open, crack her brains open. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. at that moment, I'm like, well, I know he's the killer. I mean, obviously he's the killer because that's what he does. Right. And that's or not. Or she's just not dead. Or she's just crazy, and he <laughs> wants to freaking kill her after he's she's done all this to him. Yeah. And the thing. So. Uh, yeah, Melody. Melody, why don't you tell? Did you see well, the, the twist coming? I got to say that I did see it coming a little bit before it happened. And there was a scene uh, like obviously you're seeing the flashbacks and you're assuming that they are true. And so when you see like the flashback of him, you know, throwing her to the ground, you assume that is true. When you see the flashback of um, him not wanting the baby, you you assume that is true. But there was a scene where he was talking to his sister about who wanted the baby and who didn't. And in the flashback, it's her that wants the baby and him that doesn't. But in the dialogue with his sister, he's saying that he did want the baby. He and did, right. I, and that was before you knew that the flashbacks were, were not trustworthy. But I bought what he said. Like, I believed him. I was like, I don't understand how I can believe him in this scene when I just saw the flashback where it was clearly the, the other way. And it occurred to me, like, I wonder if I can trust these flashbacks. And that was before... So I, I feel like it gave you enough. It, ge- it gave me enough yeah. to plant the seed of wondering. Hmm. I wonder if these are completely trustworthy. Yeah. So it, I wasn't completely blindsided yeah, by yeah, it, yeah. but I still loved it for sure. Awesome but, twist. Yeah. And, yeah. And I have to say, and that's what I was saying at the in, in the non-spoiler uh, section here is, is this is my favorite genre is the is the movie that can actually pull a twist and actually have me not know that it was coming. Right. And movies that have done that normally do that. At the very end, sure. I'm talking things like uh, the Sixth Sense, talking things like the Usual Suspects, right? Uh, but this one did it in the middle of the movie. Yeah, I was shocked. And the, the only thing that was interesting to me, and you guys can maybe talk about that. I talked to Melody. It, it's so funny. Normally, Mel and I don't talk about movies that we were going to review. This one we had to because it was just <laughs> so just like, yeah. oh, uh-huh. uh, it deserves to be talked about. But uh, the thing that but not bugged me, but kind of if, if I could have, I would have, I feel like I would have changed was that her dialogue when she finally review, reveals that she's alive and was, um, you know, actually mm-hmm. uh, went on for a little bit too long. Like I felt like she was just explaining way the reveal, too much. The reveal of how she did what she did. Yeah. Is that really? what you're talking about? Did you feel that way it or not? It was so long. No? I no? loved I did it. Okay. Just, are right. you talking about when like she's recounting the day? Yes. Yeah, the voiceover. Yeah. The voiceover. She's doing like the entire time where she's like, and now I'm sure. going to tell you exactly it, what I did. It for, was like... For me, it, was, it didn't have that effect because I just, I was so interested yeah, in yeah, yeah. what happened that yes. I, it didn't strike me as as long personally, but I can see how it would. I can see yeah. how it would. And again, it, it didn't get annoying. I don't think it was a, a bad thing. I just felt like, boy, they're they're going to, doing a lot of exposition at that moment. But sure. I, I but, did find it fascinating. It was fascinating. I agree. Absolutely. And so, yeah. yeah. So my thing about the exposition there is that's where, and this is one of those things that we may never know, you know, whether Fincher was up to anything or not, but that in retrospect, looking back on the film, uh, and you guys may actually remember this, the section at where they first meet, right? And they fall in love and, you know, he proposes, there's this one scene on an elevator. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Where they're yeah. going up to the whatever. And the audio is so bad. The ADR is so bad. Do you guys remember this at all? No. Okay, so like 
it's it's so bad that it literally sounds like they're speaking. They're, I'm going somewhere with this. So it literally sounds like they're speaking right in your face, but they're trying to do the ambient sound underneath of the elevator and all that stuff. It's a scene that would require ADR because they're on a freaking elevator that's moving. But right. the mix is horrible. And so, and that also follows like a couple of other things like right around it that are just a little bit off. They're just like technically off. And so huh. at first, at first I was like, and of course the performances are at the beginning, you know, it's just a real kind of emotionally muted kind of thing at the beginning when you're trying to figure out, you know, how they met, what's going on, all this stuff. And so I kept wondering from a technical standpoint, I was like, Venture, he doesn't do this. This is, this is terrible, right? And so I just bugged me enough, and I went and was reading some blogs and some different things about it. And a lot of people are kind of positing that that is her version, right? That's her version of how they met. It's in the diary. Even though she said the beginning part is more true, that there's something off. That even then in the telling of how they fell in love and how they whatever, that Fincher is maybe doing this to make it even be off, like it's a whole nother level of that most people would never get. And it may not even be true, but I did in my notes, I specifically mentioned just that, po- that, that small portion of like five to 10 minutes where the mix was off, the balance was weird. And it was all this stuff right around when they first met. And so then when it unfolded later, I was like, did he actually do that? I mean, would they go to that level of detail just for for something that may never get noticed? Well, I and feel so, like you know, I feel like he, I feel like he's like I said before, he is very aware of what he's doing with his camera, with his lighting, with his cuts. Like the beginning of the movie, I remember Melody uh, like was really mad at the beginning of this movie with the the credits, the opening credit sequence, ah, how fast they were, and they were yeah, hard to read, yeah. And so like it, it was like really like why is why are they doing this? Like David Fincher knows better than this. What we'll ta- I was so mad. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in this movie for two and a half hours, and it already sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like he put he he even with the credit sequence, I feel like he was making a statement he right. was putting you in a, a position of being uncomfortable sure of not yeah. you know some but things are off I things agree. are wrong I, I just i feel like that's the kind of he's not just he's just not putting he's not throwing sure. scenes together not just you know shooting a script he's like no my visuals tell a story as well and sure. I, I agree i i, I but would not I, yeah past i don't yeah. think he's just doing that just to make you feel uncomfortable i think that's a byproduct that you do feel uncomfortable i actually in thinking about it, it's just my opinion i do think sure. that even then we're in the unreliable narrator territory where the the character can't be trusted and there's just something that's exaggerated and off uh, and I think it makes perfect sense. I think because from that, because it never happened yeah. again. It never happened again from yeah. that point forward. No, not that kind of cut. Not that no. kind of stuff. Yeah. But they do yeah. show all of those scenes again, like oh, all those. Sure. Yeah, and that that I'm just I'm saying like it is just it's really. I feel like this movie will be picked apart. This this is I feel like this is a, a movie that people will come back to years later and say, look what he did. Look what he was saying here. Look, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. this could be one of his most talked about works. I just, I loved it. I, it's yeah. fantastic. Anyway, yeah. so any other, any other uh, spoiler stuff that we want to talk about? Melody, I would be interested to get your perspective <clears throat> on the on the Ben Affleck twist. So I didn't, I didn't fully trust him. But you know when the when his girlfriend comes into the his sister's house where he's staying mm-hmm. for the first time, I was really aggravated at him. I was like, "Yeah, oh, are you right. freaking kidding me?" <laughs> you know. And so I did like the fact, and again, having not read the book, I did like the fact that it wasn't just all 
uh, you know, black and white, he's good and she's trying to do all this stuff. He had his own issues as well. So I'm curious, yep. did you see that coming or, or how did that, how did that part of him not being, he also not being reliable? Did that play into your, anything for yeah, you? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it's like, there's not a villain and a hero. These are muddy characters with, with good and bad in them. And I think like when she came in, I don't know that I necessarily knew that that was coming, but I, I was not surprised at all. Um, and I think it it added to my, like, discomfort with his character. Like, I want to like this guy. I want to believe what he's saying, but I don't really believe what he's saying. But I still don't think he necessarily killed his wife. I just, you know, it's just, it adds to that feeling. Like, I want to like this guy, but he's kind of... A butthole too. So maybe he um, did do what you know. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Well, about I don't. Him. I don't think. I think when she came in, I don't think it made me think. Oh well, now I know it was him. Right. I, I don't. It didn't add to his guilt in that sense to me. It just. You just knew that it wasn't. He wasn't just the good guy. Yeah, it clarified the feeling that you have from the very beginning that like he's not necessarily a great guy. He's, but he he is in a pretty pretty crazy marriage. So, (laughs) (laughs) to to say the least, yeah, crazy. It would be the correct word. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I think too we should talk just very quickly about. I thought, and he gets a bum rap, but I thought Ben Affleck was great in this movie. Oh man, he was so. Oh, he was was awesome. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, thought he was perfect. Rosamund Pike was fantastic. She played the. She played it perfectly. Uh, I thought Neil Patrick Harris, Tyler Perry, everybody. I thought they were really good. Tyler Perry was was quite good. Yeah. His yeah. character yeah. was quite good. Sure. I, I like that a lot. He did, and it, it, I don't think we can leave without at least somewhat mentioning the you know the murder scene of Neil Patrick Harris. Oh my um, gosh! That <laughs> wow. was that was classic Fincher. You know, just building up the tension, and you know something bad is going to happen, and you wait for it to happen, and then he doesn't cut away. He shows you what happens. A whole, a whole thing. lot of it. And I just the thing is though, it, a lot of people may think that's gratuitous, but I believe it serves the purpose. You know, to to even show you that character that not just what she would do, but how she reacts to it while it happens. It's cold. It's calculated. There's almost no emotion there at all. It's just uh, that's a classic Fincher scene. I thought it was I thought it was great, actually. It was it's yeah. almost, it was almost like the reverse um, basic instinct uh, thing. Like right. for me, it was so interesting, um, and I I, I I wonder what the choices, why the choices were made the way they were made. Melody um, in the middle of the movie, after that scene when she's in the hospital, mm-hmm. she still has blood on her. Right. Yeah, that was weird. And I, and 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 when you said that, I was like, yeah, they would totally wipe that off. But then I thought to myself, you know what? This woman wants as much media attention as possible. So I'm sure she probably told the doctors, leave it on me. I'll clean it when I get home. So that when she's walking out of the hotel or not the hotel, the hospital, you know, people are getting pictures of her with blood on her. And she right. seems more, you know, like a victim uh, rather than, uh, you know, somebody who may have, you know, been nefarious. Um, and so, like, I just feel like maybe that even added into the but I wonder what the real reason was, because like I felt like that that's was a good. A, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a good a big oversight. But anyway, so. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things I was thinking about. The things you continue to think about. Sure, you know, sure. Well, bef- before we go, I do have to say one funny thing. I saw this. I saw this with my wife, and uh, <laughs> and you know we laughed 
<laughs> we laughed about it. Or we, I got up and I kind of leaned over and I was like, "Yeah, we're sleeping in separate rooms tonight." Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, this uh, this guy and where I live in Tennessee, we have some very interesting colorful, colorful characters for sure. And there's this old guy in overalls, and he was you know kind of rednecky. And uh, the credits had just ended, and, and I love the way the credits. I loved the cut from that scene where it's like, "Oh, you're having a baby." Boom, credits. Yes, yeah. like, yeah. awesome. The, the, the whole theater was so like, good. Dude. The girl, the, the old lady. We, we live in a in a fairly old community. The, the 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 lady sitting right next to me says, "That's not the end. That's not the end. That's the end. oh, oh no. no, yes." <laughs> That's the end, baby. It's so perfect. It's a perfect ending. It was the perfect ending. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, they're drawn to each other. I love it. Anyway, but this guy, so the credits get there and it, it gets real quiet and everybody's kind of reacting in their own way. And people are <laughs> right. kind of like accepting the fact that that's the ending. And a few people are standing up and he yells out. He goes, well, men, how many of you going to sleep with your wives tonight? <laughs> I know I ain't, <laughs> you know, and she leans over and hits him with his purse. You know, it's this whole, oh whole word, funny thing. Hysterical. And so, of course, then everybody laughs and it was like, well, yeah. yeah no, we had one line that everyone in the theater laughed at. I think it was one of Tyler Perry's lines about it being something super crazy or whatever. And I don't know. It, the whole theater laughed. Yeah, there are but. some there are some outrageous things that make you laugh for sure. Yeah. Well, overall, it sounds like we love it. Oh, indeed. Absolutely. Awesome. One of my favorites so far this year. I mean, it definitely beats Transformers Age of Extinction. I mean, mm. just by a little bit. March. Definitely. Mm. It definitely does. So Ben Affleck wins. That's good. Good for him. <laughs> the Cutting Room Floor. One of the first true next-gen games, well, according to some people, has been released. Bungie's Destiny is out, and it sold $500 million worth on day one. Set a sales record. And, of course, everyone went nuts over it one way or the other. And us being the entertainment gurus we are, we had to play it for a month and then talk about it with you. So, dedicated this is to our... Craft. Yes, dedicated. We sacrificed night after night with our families for this segment. That's for true. You. We want we to give you. the people an accurate review, an for accurate you. vision of the world of destiny. Mm-hmm. So, without further ado... Adieu. Chris, yes. what did you think about Destiny? Okay, so Destiny. Uh, going into this, into this experience, let me call it that, I was expecting one thing and got something completely different. But what was completely different about it actually turned out to be quite addictive and a lot of fun. When I first heard about Destiny, I was thinking this was going to be one big open world I was thinking that I'd be able to fly my spaceship wherever I wanted to, that it would kind of be more of an exploration-type deal, and it would be uh, a true MMO uh, first-person shooter. And that it is not. Uh, Destiny is a, a hybrid of, of sorts. I'm not exactly sure even what genre to put it in. But as I play it more, uh, the more fascinated I become by it, the bigger it becomes to me, the more exciting it becomes um, I feel like it is definitely uh, at times frustrating to the ends of the earth, like really frustrating. But I think more often than not, especially if you have people to play it with. Now, that, that's kind of the key point here is I don't think I'd have whenever I play it by myself, I feel sad and alone. Um, <laughs> as well, you should. <laughs> but whenever I play it with friends like you guys, it is a lot of fun. So anyway, that's kind of my 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 thought initially on it. It's it's just it's 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 a lot of fun. It really is. 
All right. That's a, that's a good summary to start us off. Chad, how about you? Sad and Alone is a good place to start with this game. It, I had the, I think I had the opposite reaction of Chris where maybe he didn't know what to expect and then grew to really like a lot of things. I kind of started hot with this, like thinking after the first, you know, several hours of, of gameplay that I was going to absolutely adore this game. And then it has consistently gone down and down and down mm. uh, since then. <clears throat> Primarily, I'm in 100% agreement that if I did not play this game with you guys or other friends on my friends list, I would have zero motivation to play this by myself because it is so mind-bogglingly repetitive. I'm just not motivated. And, and here's the thing that's weird for me is I'm, I am the guy that when I play games like you know the Elder Scrolls, uh, I I complete everything. I open every drawer. I search every bush. I do all the stuff. So this game should be right down my alley. But in this game as it currently stands, and I understand that it's their first attempt and it may grow and there may be new material, it is just not motivating enough to me to, to go back and play the same missions or strikes again and again. And really the only difference is that it's just more difficult. Uh, and I understand that grinding is kind of part of the MMO experience, but as it's currently stated in this it's just not fun the fun that i get from this game is cracking jokes with you guys and playing with you but the gameplay in and of itself where i am today it just didn't it didn't sustain for me where a game like titanfall for example and i know those are apples to oranges but a game like titanfall i continue to enjoy because i enjoy the skill that's involved with the gameplay mechanics Whereas in this game, the gameplay itself is not strong enough for me. It's just more about trying to level up. And once you hit level 20, and I'll let Josh give his general impressions before we get, you know, too yeah. specific. But, you know, it, it's not, I need a college class to understand what I need to do to, you know, to level up beyond level 20. No. And so it's extremely, fr no, says the man who spent hours online watching videos. The, and no, I haven't spent hours. It's yes, the yes, opposite. you have. I think, yes, you I think have. you'll agree with me. I think Chad will too. It's the opposite of a college degree. No, to, my point it's is. It's all luck at my, that point. That's right. why it's so frustrating. It's, it's, not, but, it's not about skill. It's not about knowing. My point is, is that when it's a clearly easy identifiable upgrade path, whether that's armor or gear or guns or your overall level, then you're motivated. The addictiveness of the whatever causes you to come back and play again, it, it really stands strong. But in this instance, it just doesn't. And so I'm just not, I'm not, I just, it's not as much fun for me as I want it to be. Now, if you guys want to play, I'm in because it's fun just doing that. But I just don't. Oh, are you now? I'm oh, not. Say, are you really? Because you shut know your you've face, been on. Shut uh, your face. But <laughs> I, yeah, so, but some of the positives, because I've been negative, right? It, I think the graphics are actually nice. I think they're, they're, they're not mind-blowingly good, but they, but they look good. Um, and it is super fun to play with friends. And that's a bit, that's about all I can say. <laughs> so, Josh. Wow, really? Those are all your positives, huh? Yeah, I mean, the gameplay The gameplay at first, it's just like any other shooter that I've played. I mean, yeah, I have a few other abilities, but, but even when you have three different classes, ultimately it devolves into everybody shooting everything until you get a super, right? I mean, that's essentially what it is. There's, it's not like a true delineation of the different kinds of tactics and the different abilities that you can gain. Really, I mean, everybody that I've played with, even when I play without you guys, it's just we're running around shooting people. So it just gets old to me after a while. So that's where I am. All right, Josh. Tell well, us before how I get it into it, what about Melody? <laughs> yeah, Melody. How, how did Melody. you? How have you liked Destiny, Melody? 
And eh. there it is. <laughs> I, hear, I hear crickets. I'm working on some stuff. <laughs> I have not played Destiny, but I'm sure it's great or whatever. That's I wasn't one listening vote to a word Destiny. you were saying. That's one right. vote for Destiny. Never mind. It's terrible. Don't play it. There you what? Go. I don't know. All right. I'm muting so again. I have what I'm going to characterize as a complex, nuanced opinion of Destiny. So I will do everyone a favor and summarize it first. Okay. My summary is the the big point that both you guys have brought up, and you're absolutely right, is you need friends to play this game. It, it says right on the box, internet required, and that's obviously for the matchmaking requirements, but you need a group of friends to play this game or you're going to be bored out of your skull. Mm. However, the interesting thing to me is that games like Assassin's Creed get away with that all the time. Assassin's Creed is one of the most boring games I've ever played. And people love that game. I love they Assassin's eat, Creed. They eat games. up that repetition. It's it's very pretty repetition, but it's so boring. Anyways, so you need friends to play it with. The mechanics, it's a bungee game. So it's Halo. It's like Halo plus one. And all the mechanics of Halo are there. And if you like Halo, you will like this, I think, except for Chad. The feel um, of it. Uh, uh, J- Chad, you would say that it feels good, right? Like no, shooting. it controls fine. It's not yeah. broken or janky. It's just nothing new. It's just, you know, if it's nothing that encourages me to, to jump in and, and play it just for the mechanics themselves. It's, it controls right. fine. It controls fine. Yeah. It, like you were saying, it's, it's Bungie's first foray into RPG territory. And I will be the first to say they've done a lot of things wrong from a game design standpoint. Um, what keeps me playing is playing with friends and because I have this addictive personality for anything that's approaching an RPG. And I'm just so glad to have pulled Chris into the fold with this. Oh, I remember yes. college when Chris bought Final Fantasy X. He went out to the store and bought it and was like, I can't stand this. Here, Josh, you play it. I was like, <laughs> okay. And that was my first semester of college and I didn't leave my room. It was great. I'm so sorry, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined everything. It's all right. I, I didn't need to make friends or anything. <laughs> So he so, started dating his teacher. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, exactly. I cut that out. And then he married her and they have a baby. I did not meet her until after I graduated. But <laughs> He was like, let me clear that up right oh, now. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's clear that up. No lawsuits, please. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it's past the summary now. The points about progression that yeah. I don't know who hit that harder, but... It's definitely the whole random number generator having a soft cap at level 20 that you reach pretty quickly. I think pretty quickly. And then having some things that are locked away to level 22 to 26 that you can't get to without rolling the dice right like 1,700 now, times is a little not, ridiculous. That's not totally true. It's not, it's, just not, it's not just that you just roll the dice when doing nothing. If, if you're doing the things that you know will progress. I mean, you're given a certain number of things to do. And if you go do them, you will get the gear that you need to accomplish the tasks and level up. And it's, it's, it's honestly just more about saying, okay, I understand that and I'm going to go out and do them. But if you go, you know, especially the thing, see, now this is an interesting thing, Chad, you mentioned was Titanfall. Have you gotten into at all playing the Crucible, which is the, player versus player multiplayer aspect of destiny i have at first i really hated it because i jumped in and learning the maps and being overmatched and of course now it's set where 
supposedly, you know, the levels are all kind of equaled out. But it's, I, I, I tolerate it. I enjoy it as much as I can. It's not as much, it's not nearly as bad as I thought it was when I first started. But I still don't, I still don't think, man, I can't wait to play Crucible. It's so much fun. What I enjoy in RPGs in general is advancing in the story and exploring the worlds and doing that kind of stuff. And I'm, a, and I'm okay with having an, having a Crucible-like, you know, part of it, but it's just not as fun. It's just, it's not as fun for me. I don't know why. It's just not. Well, see, and see, here's the interesting thing for me too, and the, I, perhaps this is just me not ever wanting to miss out. And Josh, I know you can speak to this too, but like Bungie, the developers of Destiny, they have laid out these events that occur throughout real time. So in other words, like every couple of weeks, we get a new event um, that takes place. Like right now, we're in the middle of uh, the the Crucible event. What is it called? Like the Iron Banner. Iron, yeah. Iron Banner, I think. And so like, and and last the last couple weeks was um the queen's emissary was there and so like i feel like they 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 spice things up enough where they say okay come back because dot 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 these are this this event is happening and then come back because yeah but when you get back it's the same thing that you've done before just in just maybe a little harder that's well, the thing. It's not different but, enough. Well, there's still a lot of stuff we haven't done yet and i i know that once we get to the point where we're doing the weekly strike we're doing um, strikes that we haven't yet completed. Then when we get to 26, we're able to do these other, um, oh, what are they raids. called? The, the, the raids. Yeah, the vaults of glass and all this other stuff. There's a lot of stuff to look forward to. There's a lot of new I, things to find sure, that we just we haven't tapped I into. I imagine it will be lots of uh, open landscapes and caves where we jump and shoot people with guns is probably what will happen, if I'm not well, mistaken. What? I'm sorry, but what, what did you expect? That's what we did in Halo, well, too. It's not like surprising that that's what the gameplay is, so, about, right? So here's the thing, Chad. This, this is a bridge game for people like Chris. We need to stop... We need to stop thinking about this as anything approaching an RPG that we're used to. It's not it an isn't. RPG. It There's isn't. no story. This is a Halo game. Right. And it is, it's just a Halo game that doesn't end, so it gets very repetitive very fast because you're still shooting the same things. I do kind of agree with Chris in that there's, there's a sense of at least they're going to lay this level out a little differently. The enemies are going to be a little different, and it's going to require some teamwork. And we haven't really gotten to... And that's, where and that's exciting. That's exciting to be able to like get a group of friends together and before you go out on this mission, you guys actually get a, a strategy together and then you go accomplish this task that not a whole lot of people have accomplished. Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. And actually, since I haven't gotten a chance to talk about the Crucible yet, uh, that was something I was going to point out that I absolutely hated it at first as well because... As is usually the case when one of these matchmaking PvP games comes on, they didn't quite have the balance worked out for it. As opposed to their RPG skills, Bungie is very good at balancing matchmaking. And they have, they've worked that out. And to the point where I think that there's actually, and Chad might shoot me for saying this, there's actually a little more strategy involved in the Crucible than is usually the case for a multiplayer shooter because you have you have a range of abilities that you can like I equip different yep. abilities and skills and stuff when I'm in the crucible and use different weapons than I do when I'm playing the game and there's a choice of when you're going to become invisible when you're going to use that super ability that isn't usually there in a normal multiplayer shooter exactly you're right and it and it helps to have the different 
classes as well as the different superpowers leveled up within those classes in order to really dominate a match. So if you've got a good group of people together, they can really hold down, you know, uh, an area and and dominate just because they know how to work together and use their strengths and weaknesses. It's when, when you yeah, but that's true in any that's true in any multiplayer game. The people that take time to learn to play together and use strategy always dominate. That's not well, exclusive I, just to the <clears throat> fact that they're leveled up. It's because they actually play together instead of just getting on and they're like Leroy Jenkins. You know, they just go in, you know, guns yeah, blazing. I, I think the RPG elements of the, of Destiny specifically actually lend even more so to that because some some people haven't. They just have a Titan and they haven't leveled up the defensive like bubble shield. And that thing can come in a, a huge amount of – it can really be helpful in a large amount of circumstances if you've t- taken the time to level that thing up and you know how to use it properly and where to place it. So I don't know. I, I feel like – I think there is a little bit more uh, individual strategy that can be applied in this game even more so than something like Titanfall. Titanfall doesn't have that. You're just – you literally have – the gun that you're no, going to use, agreed. and that's where you go. I don't hate this game. I don't hate it at all. Um, I just find myself, if I'm not going to be playing with you guys, I just I have zero, even if I have free time, I don't have the motivation to go up and play it. Um, where most games, I, I do. I would be like, hey, let me jump on for a couple of hours. But for me, this game is all about the social. And, and I, agree with, I agree with what you're saying. And, but, Josh, I do think even though you know, we can say internally this is another Halo, but Bungie is not saying this is another Halo. But this game is being sold as the first you know, MMO shooter. And so, well, you know, that's that's how they're selling it, and they're saying well, this universal no, expand. No. And, no, 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 no. They've been very careful never to use those words. MMO, never have they said anything. I but don't that mean was, specifically they said the words MMO, but that's how they're selling it. This is a different kind no. of shooter. They're not selling and it, it as just another Halo. And it is. I mean, there, there are moments. I, you guys, you have to admit, the first time, I don't know if you were there, Chad, or not, but the first time Josh and I were playing through a just a, a regular match, and all of a sudden a public event happened. Like there was that moment of Josh, Josh and I being like, "Wow, this is so freaking cool!" Like we're playing with other people, and then you know all of a sudden like things happened in that moment that nothing that, that has not happened in any other shooter or game ever. I mean, it's Chris just felt things. It's a, I did. I felt the feels. <laughs> I felt all of them. Right, Josh. I mean, we we that that was a that was an amazing moment, and I mean, obviously now we've gotten used to seeing those and all that. But I think that they can, and they will add to that and make it you know even even better as time goes on. But it's still it's still pretty amazing. I don't know. I I really like it. Yeah. Well. Okay. No. I, yeah. <laughs> wow. Good. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, all right. And, and, and that, it that sucks that you can be... only have three people too. I hate that. But whatever. Yeah, yes. Does. Well, no, we got to get to level twenty six, and we'll have six. Six. Because the raids require six people. Yeah. So there's no matchmaking. Many audience that's... members want to come. You know, join us. I think we've got two open <laughs> spots, right? I think we've got we've got there's there's another guy who. Sounds right. We should have public screeners events. We should set times. Be like so. Yes. You want to come play with us. If you're interested yeah. in, if, we're lonely. if you're interested in playing Destiny with us, uh please send us an email and let us know uh your uh your Xbox screen name and we'll uh, we'll like you and we'll not like you as I follow you, become friends, whatever, whatever it is. you do on the internet. And, and uh and then we'll team up. And that's screenerscast the at gmail.com, right? Screenerscast at gmail.com. Send us an email. That's probably the best rather than putting it on Facebook for all to see. 
um, send it directly to us. And, so, uh, I, and I, I will say this only if you're like above level 20 uh, and approaching <laughs> level 26, because I don't because you can't. You have no to. Scrubs. Yeah. No, you have to be. You have to be over 20 in order to, to join in any of those things. All right. So after that spirited discussion of how everyone is right and Chad is wrong. <laughs> one final round around the room here. What did you what is your final takeaway from this? Chris. So there were a lot of reviews for this game. A lot of them were very negative. A lot of them were very positive and it seems like there is no middle ground. And so my review would be you should play this game. Uh, that's pretty much it. I'm like, I, I can't give it a 90% or a whatever. I just feel like for all of its strengths and all of its weaknesses, everything it does wrong and everything it does right, you should still play this game. I think there's enough there that is unique and exciting that warrants you playing it. That was very, that was very parental, very encouraging, very calming. I <laughs> appreciate that take on the world. I'm actually, I'm going to give Chad the last word and I will go and I will say pretty much what Chris said. I think, I think the bottom line is, especially if you have friends you're used to gaming with and you can all get together, your schedules work, go ahead and play the game because it's just fun to play a game like this with people. You'll get fed up with the repetition, but you'll find ways to make it fun and Bungie has found ways to to mix it up a little bit with these public events and changing the way certain things work and the mission modifiers and all this stuff. They, they found ways to keep it interesting enough that if you have a group of friends, you'll be fine and you'll have fun. And with that, Chad. Yes, those, that's exactly the, the standard that we're going for. If you have friends that you can play <laughs> with, uh, they keep it interesting enough for you to keep coming back. This, well, game, look, this, this game is fine. This game is fine. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not world-changing. It's just, it's just a fun game. It's a great start. I applaud Bungie's ambition because it is a great start. And, and in a year from now, maybe it's more. Although I can't see myself spending a lot of money on continual expansions and things like that unless there's some, you know, some substantive changes. I'm just throwing um, money at Bungie. I'm just going to sure keep throwing are. money. Uh, there's a I'm quote addicted. from the GameSpot review that I, that I like that I think kind of sums, sums up my feelings on this. It says, Destiny prefers telling the same stories time and time again, hoping to transfix you with its rinse and repeat pace and ply you with the possibility of better loot rather than with gameplay diversity that intimates surprises hovering on the horizon. And I think that's the biggest problem is that for me, this is just for me, is that in a shooter, uh, it's, it's just not fun enough unless I'm playing with friends. So, um, but I'm going to keep playing it because it's fun hanging out with friends and hopefully it will get better and bigger as it goes. Let's go play some Destiny, guys. Let's go right now. Let's do it right now. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the Screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.